Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. I missed out on the great Zoom craze of 2020. This was back in lockdown. A lot of you may have been using Zoom to connect with your friends and family, but I just couldn't do it. And that was strange for me because I'm normally a very social person. But at that time, I had just moved into a brand new neighborhood. We were taking the precautions very seriously, especially because my parents have some health issues and my elderly grandparents live with them. And so here I was, just me, myself, and my three kids stuck in the house for weeks. And the thought of just trying to sit down and socialize with people while my kids were like going crazy in the background, I just, it just felt like way too overwhelming for me. And part of the problem in all of this was that my youngest, who was two at the time, loved to find any opportunity that she could to wait till my back was turned to get into something. I mean, I couldn't even go to the bathroom without her getting full-scale ninja baby and climbing the pantry shelves to get to the goldfish that I thought I had strategically placed at the top of the pantry. But the worst of it was one day when I don't know what I was doing. I was probably making lunches or something like that. She had discovered a bottle of non-toxic dish soap under the sink and dumped the entire bottle all over the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, not another mess, another, what felt like in my mind at that time, just a catastrophe. All of this was just too much. And I don't know if you have ever tried to clean up soap before. But do you know how hard it is to clean up soap? Just every bit of water you put on it makes more soap. It's just more soap the whole time. And so in the middle of this and me trying to clean up all these messes and keep my kids safe and then me feeling isolated and alone, I just was crushed under the weight of all of this overwhelm. You know, and it was really kind of a a metaphor, a picture of the season that it was just me by myself taking care of my kids and feeling like I was absolutely failing at it. And I know that you know what this feels like. This season of life, being a single mom, all the things that we're responsible for, all the things that we have to do is just so overwhelming. And it's the sense though on top of it that you're doing all of this work, but Maybe you're not really getting anywhere. Maybe, you know, you're, what you're doing is great, but it's it doesn't feel like it's ever really enough. I mean, it starts with all the things that you have to do, right? Like you are one person 
carrying the weight and the responsibilities of two people. And that is a lot of times even just in basic everyday logistical things. It's in making lunches. It's in getting to work. It's in doctor's appointments and court mediations and all of these various things that go along with this. And then on top of it, trying to keep track of everybody and everything and Like in my case, it's making sure that my son's room is kept up enough that he's not growing a science experiment under his bed, like real experience that's happened. But then it continues with the weight of these responsibilities because it is not like you can just say no. And it seems like, you know what, there's not even, there's not enough help in the world. Like I would have to clone myself. And like, since cloning is totally unethical, like that's not going to happen, right? And so it is this sense of like, this all depends on me. But still, this is not hitting what the experience of overwhelm really feels like. Because if it was just these things, just these tasks, that would probably leave us feeling pretty exhausted. But overwhelm is different. Overwhelm is when you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden the tears just start flowing and you're suddenly like apologizing for like, I don't know why these tears are coming out. It's maybe a heaviness that you feel in your chest. It's the fog of our minds and not being able to even be clear on what to do. It's like not even knowing what is wrong or how to ask for help. Sometimes even that causes us to just pass hours at a time and not really even know where the time has gone. Or it's like this fatigue that overcomes us that we can't even get off the couch, can't even get all of these things done. We know they have to get done, but there is just this giant brick wall that's keeping us from either moving at all and getting things accomplished or from moving through those things that we have to get done, but not being crushed by this overwhelming weight of emotion. And what's worse is that this whole thing is so isolating. With overwhelm comes this sense that I can't bring this to anybody, even if we're aware of what we could bring. You know, it's maybe even wondering, like, I don't know if I can bring this to God. I don't know what to bring to God. Am I just supposed to, to handle this, you know? Or maybe it is this feeling that like the people around me, they don't get it, that this is just something that they won't be able to handle, that maybe I'm too much, maybe this whole thing is too much, and maybe you've been told that in the past. Maybe you've been told that you're too much, but what if you're not too much? What if you are just carrying too much? And that is what I want to talk about today. That is what is at the core of our overwhelm. It is not necessarily about how much you are doing. It's about how much you are carrying, how much you are carrying in your heart, in your mind, what you're taking with you as you're moving through your day. That when you're moving through your day, these triggers start to come up for you and either starts to create this very big, overwhelming, take your breath away emotional response, or it's causing you to feel so suffocated that you just are in a mode where you feel like you have to disconnect in order to be able to even move through your life. And the question I want to explore today is, is it possible to be free of all of that? Is 
they're a way we can stop carrying this extra stuff that we're carrying? Is there a way to put down the things that are overwhelming us? You know, there's a lot in the therapeutic world, in the counseling world about this feeling of overwhelm and what we can do about it. But there's not very much out there as far as the spiritual aspects of this. Like, what does the Bible even say? Does the Bible say anything about these things? And that is really what I want to focus on today is the spiritual element. And the reason is, and I've mentioned this before, you are a spirit with a soul. That's your mind and your emotions in a body. And we've got to treat all three when we're moving through the healing process. And so let's talk about the spiritual today. One of my favorite scriptures that addresses this, it's a very short scripture, but a very powerful scripture is in the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, 11 tells us about our overwhelm and these things that we're carrying and what we can do about it. In it, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I'm kind of a word nerd. So when I saw this scripture over and over and over again, I was like, all right, God, I know you want to teach me something with this. And I love to dig into each and every word and what it means. And so the first thing that I started to look at was this pairing of weary and burdened. Like, what does that mean? What is that pointing out to us? And as I looked at the definition of weary, weary suggests being worn out, but tired of the things that we are trying to carry. It's this toiling. It's this exhaustion that is coming from just carrying the troubles and the burdens of life. You know, this is the kind of overwhelm that comes from us being stressed out and worried about our kids and maybe even trying to do extra things for them or trying to overcompensate for them so that they don't have this extra burden that they have to carry. You know, and, and maybe there's some something that you're wrestling with internally that you want to try to fix for them. And so, so you're putting this extra stuff on yourself to take care of that. You know, it is the anxiety that comes from not being sure if God is going to come through and not knowing if he's there for us, not knowing where he is in this whole equation, right? And so it's the sense that like, well, I, I'll pray, you know, but I got to do some things. And I'm not saying that we don't have a role to play. We do. <laughs> we absolutely have things that we're called to do and steps of faith that we are to take. But it is the burden of feeling like if I don't do it, God won't come through or it won't get done, that it's all on me. Or it can look like, you know, this burden of I have to do things for other people so that I will be approved of, that I'll be feeling like God approves of me when he already approves of you, when he already adores you just as you are. And then on the other side of this is that word burdened. And burden seems to indicate, you know, the things that are put on us. You know, if you think about like a horse that you're going to put a saddle on and put blankets and saddlebags and those types of things, it's the stuff that you didn't necessarily have a hand in that are getting placed on your heart. And so when we think about what those are, you know, these are the ways that you've been harmed, but then also the lies that you might be believing and carrying around with you because of those experiences. You know, it is the abuse 
or the betrayals that you have had to endure, the abandonment that then has created these lies about who you are and not being good enough or not being able to count on other people. It's the things that have been perpetrated against you. It's the expectations people have put on you. It's the criticisms maybe of a parent or of a former partner. It's these things that you did not bring upon yourself. It's these things that came to you in life, but now you are carrying the weight of. So the scripture is telling us when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, he's saying when you start to sense that overwhelm that comes from all of these other pieces and things that you're carrying, these things that are in your heart and in your mind that maybe you're not even fully aware are there, but they're coming up in some kind of bodily response, that when we're aware of those things, we have the ability to come to him and we can expect rest. We can expect that we have the ability some way to put down all of these things and to pick up rest, to pick up refreshing. You know, and when we think about how that allows us to live our lives and move through our day, that means that I can go through all these activities. I can have a full life without feeling overwhelmed, that I can be thriving in a full life instead of just surviving through it. It means that I can enjoy my kids instead of constantly worrying and maybe obsessing about things or avoiding things that I'm just, I'm so afraid that if I touch this thing, that this whole cascade of overwhelm is going to come with it. You know, it, it is this sense that whatever is bothering me, if I'm feeling lonely, if I'm feeling rejected, that if I have the ability to somehow lay that in his hands, that now I no longer have to run to something or someone to feel better or to feel anything, you know, or that I don't have to rely on ways of distracting or medicating my pain, that I can actually be in the present moment when those things are coming up for me, but I don't have to experience that overwhelming sense of dread, that overwhelming sense of panic, whatever it might be for you. You know what that is. When I'm talking about overwhelm, you know what your personal response is. Each of us is a little different. But Jesus is telling us, there is another way, and that it leads to rest. But here's the trouble in this. If he's saying, come to me, if you are weary and burdened, you're carrying stuff, it means that he wants us to give it to him. It means putting it in his hands. And that is frightening because that means we have to trust him and there's a number of different reasons why that feels so daunting, maybe even overwhelming in and of itself. One of those being, I've been hurt by people. You know, some of these things I'm carrying around are because I've been disappointed and hurt and let down by people. I have needs that were not met by other people. And I don't know if you can meet them, Jesus. I don't know. I don't know because of hurt from other, you know, Christians, quote unquote, I don't know who you are. I don't know if I can give this stuff to you. I don't know if you are like them. I don't know 
if you're going to forget about this, if me giving this to you, even if I can, if I can figure out what does that mean, I don't know if I give this to you, if you're going to just forget about it or if it's just gone. Like if it's not on my radar, maybe it's not on your radar. I don't know if you're going to take better care of this than I will. You know, I have this kind of way that I, I've been used to holding on to this stuff and it makes me feel at least like something's getting done about it. And I'm afraid that if I give it to you, maybe nothing's going to happen or maybe something bad will happen. And I want you to know if you feel that way, if, you, if you're asking these questions of God and, and you're not sure if you can give him this stuff, he's not intimidated by that. He's not scared of that. He's not embarrassed of that. He knows it's already in your heart. He knows it's already there. And so he's saying, don't pretend it's not there. Bring it to me. Let's talk about it. Share it with me. All of it. In its entirety. In its rawest form. Share it with me. Come to me. Despite what we've been taught before, God is not expecting blind trust from us. He is not expecting us to just come like ready to give it all away and ready to just say, oh yes, but the Lord is good and he's got it. He wants us to have an authentic experience with trust. And trust means I have to get to know you. You know, we think about a relationship with another person. It means I have to spend time with you. I have to know your history. I have to know if you're consistent. I have to know if you're trustworthy in order for me to really be vulnerable and for me to put myself in your hands. And God is inviting us to that. He is not saying, well, I gave you this Bible, so you should just trust me. Well, because I'm God and because I said so, you should just trust me. No, he wants us to have a deep understanding of how patient he is, how gentle he is, how consistent he is. And that only comes in our ability to learn to come to him. If you're like me, you've probably already seen so many red flags in your life that you could cut them up and make yourself a lovely evening gown out of them. I have wasted so much time and tears in unhealthy relationships, and mostly because I just didn't even understand red flags. And here's what I found out. Red flags aren't just for dating relationships. They are for all relationships. And what we don't know can really hurt us. With this in mind, Plus One Parents has created a class called Red Flags in Dating, What They Mean and How to Make Sure You Don't Miss Them. This is a single session class, and in this class, you'll discover why red flags even matter in the first place. You'll learn the obvious and the not-so-obvious signs of a person who is emotionally unavailable or abusive, and you'll also learn what you need to know instead to meet a godly match. You can actually start this class right now, today, when you join the Plus One Parents Collective All Access Membership. And you can do that by going over to plusoneparents.org. So the big question at the core of all of this, you know, is when we've been hurt by other people, we feel unsafe. We feel unsafe within our own bodies, within our hearts, within our minds. We don't feel like someone has our back. That's why we've been carrying all this stuff on our own. We've come to believe that the only person that we can rely on is ourselves. And so if this is truly an invitation for us to come to Jesus and to trust him with what we have, with what we're carrying, and to put it in his hands, the question is, am I willing to do that? 
forget, do I know how to do that? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to say, you know what? I've come to the end of myself and I don't know another way. So I'm willing to at least give God's way a shot. And that's really the question at the beginning of this. And if the answer is yes, then that is where the freedom comes. And as far as how we do all this, I'm going to talk to you about that. I'm going to give you this one action step. And again, these action steps are always things just to get your wheels turning. If it works for you, great. If you come up with something else, better. (laughs) You know, if it's something that works for you. But I want to share with you some things that, you know, from scripture, things that have worked for me, that have helped me to get my mind around how do I give these invisible things Maybe these things that I'm not even fully aware of. How do I give these things to a God that I can't touch? I can't see with my eyes. You know, how do I relate to him when I can't see him? And then on top of that, how do I trust him enough to not only carry these things, but carry me? And as I said with this scripture, the the first thing for us to fix our minds on in this is actually simple. It's just not easy. Jesus says in the beginning of this scripture that I just read, come to me. There are pretty simple instructions, right? Come to me. Come to me. But how do I do that? And how do I do that in a moment of panic? You know, when I am just all of the the systems are firing in my body, or maybe they're not at all. Maybe I'm completely shut down, whatever way it looks for you. How do I come to you? I think the first thing that we want to grab onto is what am I coming to? Where am I coming to? Where am I going? (laughs) And I love Psalm 61.2 for moments like this where you're just feeling so overwhelmed. It says, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And this gives an instruction here that we can cry out to God. That that's some of this is just vocalizing. Help, I'm in need, right? But when we look at that imagery of the rock that is higher than us, Scripture repeatedly talks about God as a refuge, you know, and we think about that as a, a fortress, a protective place, a hiding place, a place where we're covered, a place that is inaccessible from what's dangerous, and then being able to go there and to find rest, to be there in our hearts and in our minds to connect with Him. And so it's understanding that there is this place that there's a home. There's a safe base. That's why our, our abuse recovery devotional is called Safe Haven. There's this safe location that we can go to to be with this safe person. And if you've never experienced him as a safe person, this can be a little bit difficult. But if you are experiencing that, he is gentle in leading you towards that and in showing you perhaps what are the things that are in between you and him. And I'll get into that in just a second. But as far as how do I get to this place when I'm in a panic mode, one of the ways that I love to do this is by being still, by by going away to a quiet place and just starting by focusing on my breath and my breathing. 
And this is something that we actually know from the therapeutic world. So as I mentioned, there's a lot that's known in the therapeutic world about our nervous system and the body and what's going on with this. And a lot of times in the, the very first step is to learn how to breathe, to regulate your nervous system, right? But let me tell you something. When I was learning these practices, there was always a piece that was missing for me. There's always a piece, number one, that's like counting or making a shape with your hands or something like that, that like made me more overwhelmed and I couldn't do it. I needed something to fixate on. And that's what brought in the spiritual for me was the fact that I know just from my study of the Bible that the word in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, for the Holy Spirit means breath. In the Old Testament, Hebrew, it's ruach. In the New Testament, Greek, it's pneuma. But so that is a picture to us that God's spirit within us is God's breath. Genesis even says that when God formed man, that he breathed the breath of life in him. So when you're breathing, not only is that the breath of life, God's breath of life in you, but that is how close God's presence is. It's not just he's with me like he's next to me. He is with me, in me, next to me, around me, before, behind. He's everywhere. And so my job is to try to just get there, just to sense it, just to experience it. And so by focusing on the breath, it's focusing on God's presence in that breath. He's in that, right? So it is practicing that in that moment where all of that's starting to come up, but then creating this awareness that God is right there, that you are already in his presence, you know, and sometimes, like I said, this is hard. You know, if you have any kind of trauma, especially around spiritual things, this can be difficult. You know, um, there oftentimes you can, if your mind is having a hard time getting there, you can use scripture. You know, once you've kind of got a breathing rhythm going, scripture encourages us to see God the way that we may not already see him. You know, it tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of God, confidently before the throne of God. And I had a hard time with this because I would picture my in my mind the throne of God, but it was like 30 feet away, you know, and I couldn't see him. And I, but I would ask God, and you can ask God, God, what is in the way? Why, where did I first feel this? Why can't I come to you? Why do you feel so far? And he may reveal that to you. He did for me. And in revealing that, I immediately went from being 20 feet away, only being able to see his feet, to being in my mind, having a picture in my mind of being like a child sitting on God's lap in the throne, you know, on the throne. And that's just, I'm just sharing my experience with you as far as, you know, the the struggle sometimes it can be to get into this place with God, but that as we continue to work at it, that that creates a closeness with him that allows us to begin to start sharing things with him, to start really opening our hearts to him. You know, it, it doesn't start day one with, here's all the things that I feel and I'm mad at and why'd you let this happen and all that. He's okay with that. But day one, you might not be there. Day one, it's just, I just want to know you're here. I just want to know you're with me. And my breath will help me to recognize that you are that close to me and that you love me this much, that you're all encompassing, you're all around me. 
But this is the work of healing is the repetitions of this. It is something that you will do over and over and over and you'll feel like I am not getting anywhere. This is not helping. Why am I doing this? During that season, you know, with the ninja baby and the soap dumped all over the floor, I had to go in my room and lay down sometimes for 20 minutes at a time, sometimes like three, four, five times a day, depending on the day, to just do this, to just get safe, to get calmed down. And then it gave me what I needed to get back out there and do what I needed to do to be with my kids. And then it would come up again and I would go back again. And over time, though, those triggered moments, not only did they become less and less, but I knew that when I was triggered, that instead of experiencing panic and dread, I could start to experience peace. I could start to experience God with me in all of this stuff. And I could start to see him taking things off of me that I wasn't meant to carry. And in the midst of this, he reveals those barriers. He reveals all of the things of the pain from the past that you're still carrying and how you're continuing to carry them. He's revealing the places that you're holding on to stuff because you don't have the ability yet to trust him. And as you spend time with him, then it becomes easier to start opening up your hand and letting him take those things. And this is how you can go from being in a situation where you're just feeling completely overwhelmed by all that you are carrying and knowing what it is like a child to let your perfect father carry you. So the next time that you feel overwhelmed, and it might be a little bit later today, you know, if you're experiencing those triggers, I want you to know that God is allowing those things to come to your mind or to give you some sense of these things. And it's not to harm you. It's to heal you. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember, you are seen and you are beloved.